Here's the whole point to, to this message. We've been talking about the values that God, that Jesus had when he was here on earth. Integrity. Uh, today we're going to actually talk about what gratitude looks like. And so here's the whole point to this message. Gratitude is the door to God's presence. Gratitude is the door to God's presence. I find myself asking this a lot. Do I want to be more in God's presence? And if the answer is yes, which for the majority of us, we would say, man, I would love that. And we could remember times in our life where we have been in God's presence deeply. Then I believe we need to orientate our life towards having more gratitude and thanksgiving in it. See, gratitude and thanksgiving is the doorway to God's presence. Uh, If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Psalm 100. Psalm 100 is a familiar passage of Scripture. Psalm 100, we, we read this often. It's usually at the start of the service. Psalm 100, David penned these words. Probably with a lot of emotion, he, he wrote, Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth, everything in the earth, everything that God's created. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us. We are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Verse 4, enter. Come into his gates, his courts, with thanksgiving and, and praise. Give thanks to him. Praise his name. Verse 5. For the Lord is good. His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Look, look back at verse 4 just for a second. Enter. Enter with thanksgiving. I don't know about you, but losing that hour of sleep, all of those things that go into our mind as we prepare to come to church, Thanksgiving probably isn't one of those things that we always enter into God's house with. If I was to have a relationship with someone or fellowship with someone, it really helps if we're actually both in the same house. See, I could have a limited conversation with someone, I could have limited fellowship with someone if someone was in the house and I was outside the house. So just picture me yelling through the window, enjoying the fellowship of that other individual. Kind of reminds us of COVID. It's a bit strange. We could scream at the top of our lungs. We might even have a hard time hearing that person or understanding what they're saying. Maybe we would get a a glimpse of that individual behind the curtains. As I wrestled through that image, I thought, a lot of times that's me with God. I'm, I'm like outside the house trying to just position myself right that maybe if the, the curtains blow a certain way, I could catch a glimmer of God. I might even say this, I, I wish I could hear God's voice clearer. I wish I could feel God's presence just a bit stronger. Well, maybe the problem for us is we haven't, as David wrote in Psalm 100, entered through his gates or his door, opening that door with gratitude. When you come to God, the first thing that you and I usually say is, God, I need help. 
But it doesn't say in Psalm 100 that we need to scream for help. It says that we're to enter into his gates with gratitude through thanksgiving. And once we've entered into those gates, into those courts, maybe that's the time that we can say, God, I need help. But we never enter in begging for help. We enter in with gratitude. We enter into God's presence with thanksgiving. So every time you pray, start with thanksgiving. Every single day, start with thanksgiving. Every single prayer that you pray, and I would challenge you over the next month to do this, start with thanksgiving. Because that's how we actually enter into God's presence. Which leads us to the second truth that I want to share. That gratitude or thanksgiving always brings freedom. See, gratitude, thanksgiving brings freedom because with gratitude we enter into the presence of God and we know this, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's what? Freedom. So gratitude always brings an element of freedom. Spiritual freedom, emotional freedom, relational freedom, even physical freedom. The, the Bible speaks about this repeatedly. And out of all the stories that I could share this morning that exemplify how gratitude and thanksgiving brings freedom, I want to retell you the story of Jonah. So go back with me, maybe on the carpet in Sunday school. You see that big gray fish on the flannel graph? Jonah has his own book. It's a book that's named after him. Jonah was a prophet who God asked to go to a certain city called Nineveh. It's actually a, a present-day city in, uh, of Mosul in Iraq. It used to be an ISIS stronghold, if we remember from a few years ago. And Jonah did what you and I do a lot of times. I don't want to go. He didn't like the city. He didn't like the people. So Jonah did what I would do, go the opposite way. A long story short, you might remember this in Sunday school, he ended up in a boat. The guys decided he was the problem, so they threw him overboard. And he ended up in a fish for three days. Jonah had all kinds of problems. It was a mess, and Jonah knew it. So Jonah's inside the belly of this fish. It's the most horrible circumstance that you can probably imagine. If you have your Bibles, turn to Jonah chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. We're just going to get a little glimpse of the story. Jonah chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. If you don't, it's on the screen behind me. Here's Jonah speaking, but I, I, Jonah, with shouts of grateful praise. They didn't teach this in Sunday school. So here's him in the, inside the stomach of the fish. Here's Jonah going, I'm going to praise God. I'm going to sacrifice to you. God, what I vowed to you, I will make good. I will correct my mistake. I will say to those people that I don't like, salvation comes from the Lord. So even in the belly of the fish, Jonah gave thanks to God, not because of his circumstances, but in the middle of his circumstances. That's a huge difference. 
And because Jonah, down in the bottom of the sea, inside the fish, gives thanks, what happens? He enters into the presence of God. And wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Look what happens. Look down at verse 10. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto the dry land. You could memorize that verse later this afternoon. Thanksgiving brings freedom. Thanksgiving brings deliverance. And if you and I were really honest, we've seen this happen so many times in our life and family. For me, the greatest moment where I understood freedom was in Soledad, California. It was a place that as a youth ministry at Grace Baptist Church, we went every year. Hundreds of students and adults experienced what we would call the gift of Soledad. We built this relationship with a man, and his name was Judge Lindsay. He was one of the lead chaplains at the prison that housed almost 10,000 medium security inmates. Every year I would go and speak to the chapel that housed about 400 men, and they would do this service multiple times in the day. If you want a great image, imagine me walking across the open field all by myself to the chapel. The chapel had windows and bars were on those windows. There were guards that were littered all around the outside of the the chapel. Men would file in for the service. The worship team would lead songs that were very similar to the ones we were singing in our youth ministry. Before I came up to speak, the worship team began to play Freedom Reigns in this place. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Lift your, high, lift your eyes to heaven, there's freedom. Freedom reigns in this place, showers of mercy and grace. Falling on every face, there's freedom. Jesus reigns in this place. Showers of mercy and grace, falling on every face, there's freedom. If you're tired and thirsty, there's freedom. Give your all to Jesus, there's freedom. As I, st- as I sat at the front of the, 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 the sanctuary and the stage, looking out at this group of men, all I could think was, you can't sing that. How can joyful tears actually come down your face When you're stuck in this, how can you raise your hands? It's not possible. Except freedom reigns in this place. Now don't hear me. I'm not saying that if you suffered tragedies or had hard times in your family, that you just haven't been thankful enough. It doesn't work that way. This is a broken world. We don't know always why things happen, but I do believe that if you keep thanking and thanking and thanking God, sooner or later, freedom will come. Sooner or later, freedom always will enter in. Sooner or later, that fish is going to spit you on dry land. If you just keep thanking God. Because With God, gratitude always brings freedom. Here's the third thing. Gratitude is a daily choice. 
If you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 16. We're going to talk about Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas were, were two disciples who, were set, who set out to do exactly what Jesus asked them to do. Jesus asked them to preach the, the gospel and to pray for people. And if we look back at their records, that's what they did. And because of that, they were beaten with rods. Because of that, they were arrested. They were thrown into the inner cell, the basement of a jail. Of a jail. They were chained up. Their feet were fastened to the ground. Of course, they could have sat there and just went, Why God? We, at, we are doing what Jesus asked us to do. How come all these things are happening to us? They could have created a, a grudge and bitterness and disappointment. But instead, they chose to do something different. They chose to praise God in Acts chapter 16. Look at verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors fell open and everyone's chains came loose. This is a great example of the fact that you can never fully control your circumstances, but you can always fully control your attitudes. You can never be in full control of what happens to you, but you always can be in full control regarding the attitudes with which you respond. Paul and Silas made a choice. Even though we suffer, even though our bodies hurt, even though we really don't understand the situation, we will worship, we will give thanks. We're going to stay in that attitude of gratitude. See, the the beautiful thing with this story is that their decision actually led to all these trials and tribulations and frustrations to actually be dealt with the release of themselves. But it didn't just affect them. That's the cool part of the story. It says everyone's chains came off. Everyone's doors opened. Here's what it means for us this morning. When you and I choose an attitude of gratitude, it doesn't just affect us. It affects everyone around us. Your gratitude will affect your family. Your gratitude affects your workplace, your school, the people around you, your neighborhood. Renfrew, let's bring freedom into our communities. Let's bring freedom into our families. How do we do that? Why do we do that? Because when we choose gratitude, we can enter constantly into the presence of God to release freedom. Now, I want to tell you about my grandmother. I'm going to make it through this. You might have seen some reflections from Michelle or my family on social media. What a gift we were given with my grandma on that day in February. Some days, grandma is a shell of who she is. She's blank. But this wasn't the case. Here's a woman who is 93 years old, fighting Parkinson's, that's robbing her of who she was, except she still has a tight relationship with Jesus. Here's me trying to not cry, saying, Grandma, we're praying for you. We're praying that Jesus takes you home soon. Here's Grandma's comment back. I pray for you guys. And you know what? She does. Friends, that's how I want to go. 
I want to go with that attitude, with that mindset, with the element of gratitude alive in my heart. But you see, friends, that just doesn't come by accident. It comes through a series of repeated choices where I choose gratitude and I choose thanksgiving. That is a commitment in life that is always there. See, Grandma's ending up in this beautiful spot. She wants to go. She's ready to meet Jesus. Guess what? Even in the midst of all of her frustrations, that she can't communicate, that she's not at home, there is the same attitude and atmosphere that you would still meet in heaven. Friends, it's not like my grandparents or parents were trained to be pastors. My parents are great small group leaders who have impacted hundreds of people by simply volunteering in a small group ministry at First Alliance for 30 years. My grandparents were simple people. They would do devotions every morning. They would make sure to pray for every kid in the family by name. I've told you before that my grandpa's Bible is a great gift that I've received from him showing me how deep his relationship was with Jesus. See, my grandparents and my parents kind of all accepted Jesus at the same time. We were in Edmonton. They were in Ontario. Let me, Michelle posted about visiting my grandma in her Weight Watchers Connect profile. It's a Facebook thing for Weight Watchers. Here's the response she got back from somebody that she doesn't know. I lived across the street from Phyllis and Bruce as a kid. I went through school with my mom's sister, Luann, and her brother, Mark. I remember when Matt was born and seeing him as a baby. Wow, what a trip down memory lane. I have so much love and respect for Phyllis. She and Bruce showed me how to live a life centered around Jesus. You see, an atmosphere of gratitude and thanksgiving for what you have been given is probably the greatest way to tell the world that Jesus is alive. I want to share with you guys the last thing regarding gratitude. See, we've said that it's the door into God's presence. We've said it brings freedom. We've also said it's a daily choice. And here's the final one. When you choose gratitude, you have to let go of something. You know why? Because gratitude and grudges can't coexist. See, one will kick out the other. And it's, us, it's up to us for us to choose what we meditate on, what we let go of, what we want to keep in our lives. If you want to live a life of gratitude, you need to let go of certain things. Maybe it's that bitterness that you're holding on to against your parents or that grudge against a pastoral leader or maybe that disappointment toward God because he didn't answer your prayer at that specific occasion. Friends, we need to understand something about God answering prayer. God has always promised to answer your prayer. It's just that sometimes that answer is no. So sometimes he says yes, and we love when God does that. And then sometimes he says yes, but just not right now. He says you got it right, but you got the wrong timing. But sometimes God actually says no. Even Jesus got a no in the garden. 
Jesus honestly prayed, Lord, if this can all be taken away from me, if there's another way than the suffering of the cross, could we do it that way? And God the Father said no. But when you see that God says no to your prayer, it always means that there's something better in store for you. He's got something better for you down the road. And because that there was a no in that garden in Gethsemane, you and I are actually here today because of that no. Thank God we are. We're saved and we're forgiven. We're righteous. We're restored. We're sons and daughters of God. All because of that no in the garden. So no isn't always a bad thing. It might be that you're holding grudges. It might be that you've had disappointments in life. And sometimes we hold on to them because we actually kind of enjoy them. There's something in us that likes to be angry at somebody else. What we don't realize is that when you hold on to things, you can't see blessing or gratitude. We need to let go of something to actually gain something that is way more precious. Sometimes that's me. Sometimes it's you. We hold on to stuff. We hold on to grudges, to disappointment, to bitterness, to anger. Not realizing that if we actually let it go, we throw it off the bridge and into the water, God is ready to introduce us to the blessing of thanksgiving. Allowing you to enter into his presence daily, allowing you to experience a new level of spiritual freedom, emotional freedom, relational freedom. Only if you're making gratitude and thanksgiving your daily choice. Why don't you pray with me before we walk into communion? God, I want to do that. God, I want to let go of whatever I need to let go of. I want to choose gratitude so that I can step into your presence. Even stronger and experience even more of that freedom that gratitude brings. God, we thank you so much for this wonderful spiritual principle that gratitude brings us into the presence of God and that gratitude brings us freedom. Lord, we make up our minds right now that we'll let go of anything that keeps gratitude out of our lives. Father, we throw bitterness and disappointment and anger and grudges off the bridge and into the water. And we choose gratitude. We choose gratitude toward you and we choose gratitude toward other fellow human beings. And we choose to walk in the freedom that gratitude always brings. This we pray. Amen. Grab uh, your communion elements that are in front of you. The really cool thing is, and this is not because Matt looked at a schedule and organized it really well. It had nothing to do with that. This is actually the perfect way to end this sermon series and to wrap it up with the understanding of gratitude. For us, gratitude is what carries us a lot of times in life. Gratitude of great memories, gratitude of what God has done, gratitude of things that are familiar with our family. When Jesus was with his disciples, his friends, his inner circle, his family. He knew it was near the end of his life and he loved it so much that 
he had come to do his father's will that he repeated it saying, I have eagerly, I have eagerly waited for this moment. Could barely wait, even though he knew the pain. And we know the story. We've been in church long enough for most of us where there's Judas who's the guy and the, the bad guy. The fall guy, the guy who had a better plan than what Jesus had and ended up selling kind of his soul for the sake of what he thought was best. A lot of times I do that in my own life. And and Jesus still sat there at the table with Judas and still, I believe, had a great amount of emotion with Judas. It wasn't that rejection of let's just get Judas out of the picture here. He's he's causing too much damage. Jesus actually used him to go two by two to proclaim the message. People would have understood there was a Savior or there was Jesus because of a guy like Judas. And, And so for us, as we come to the communion table today, it's a huge amount of gratitude that you and I need to enter in with. Thank God we have a Savior who saves us from our sin. And it doesn't mean church attendance. It doesn't mean that we've got it all figured out. We just have a Savior who goes, I've already forgiven that. Uh, And a Savior that goes, man, I want to dwell with you. I want to hang out with you. And so Jesus used a couple elements that are very familiar to us. The elements... We use today, we don't use a wafer like this in our homes, but Jesus would have used bread, and many of us this morning would involve some kind of bread, or at some point today we're going to have some bread. And the interesting thing with the bread was he used it to represent his body, and he said this body is is going to be broken. The human part of me is going to be broken. I'm going to feel the pain that, that all of us should have felt but I'm going to do it willingly. And I'm the only one that can stand in that place, Jesus said. And so he he held the bread and he looked at his disciples and he said, this is my body that is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's do this in remembrance of him. Now, it would have meant nothing if it was just the body. But we needed the blood, and the blood signified a new covenant. It erased the the Old Testament sacrifice system. Jesus was going to be that ultimate sacrifice. He's the only one that could. And, And Jesus passed around the cup, and as they were passing around the cup, he said, guys, this is the blood of the new covenant. This is for the forgiveness of sins. Not just the past sins, but the ones that are coming in the future. Uh, and we know First John 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us, to keep purifying us from all unrighteousness. And so as, as we take the, the cup together, we do this in remembrance of him, I pray and I hope that your heart is filled with gratitude for that great gift. So let's take it together. God, we can't think of a better way to end the service than taking communion.
It links us together as a community. It links us together with you. It reminds us of what we're slowly walking to as we get ready for Easter. We thank you that you willingly sacrificed your life for us. That on the cross, you bore all our sins. That it doesn't matter how good we are or how bad we are, we still need a Savior. Thank you for being our Savior. And Lord, may the world look at us as we come in contact with them on Monday and truly see thankful and and people of gratitude because we certainly don't get what we deserve. Thank you for giving us a role to be agents of restoration to a world that desperately needs it. We love and adore you. We ask all this in your name. Amen.